This Dharma talk by John Sutherland, Self and Soul One, was given at Cerro Gordo Temple, Santa Fe, New Mexico, on January 14th, 2010. Good evening, Bodhisattvas. It's good to be with you tonight. I wanted to, um, to pick up on a thread from some of the things we were talking about toward the end of last year. Um, beginning with that sense that the nature of human beings is to be fragmentary, that we're not so unitary and um, united, monolithic. We're, we're kind of a collection of parts. So we have um, bodies and souls and spirits and hearts and minds and a few other things I'm probably leaving out. And that um, mostly what we are is a kind of loose confederation of all of those various parts. And um, on a good day, you know, that can feel like kind of an interesting conversation that's going on, maybe a negotiation that's going on amongst all those parts. And on a bad day can feel like conflict and even civil war. Um, and the idea is that, that perhaps that we are made up of these apparent parts might be uh, a source of act- actually of, of strength and creativity for us. That we're not a monologue, we're a conversation. And that conversation gives us a kind of flexibility, um, a, an ability to respond quickly and to improvise and to draw on lots of different kinds of wisdom and information in navigating the world. And one thing I want to I say about that that's important, we, I'm talking about parts, but I'm really speaking metaphorically with that because it's not as though we're like a map of Eastern Europe in the early 20th century with all the little pieces, you know, in different colors, all the countries up next to each other. Um, each of those things I name, body, soul, spirit, mind, heart, all of that, each is really a viewpoint. It's a way of seeing the world. And that's all it is. So we, we are made up in some ways of all these different viewpoints, all these different ways of experiencing our lives and the world. So I want to talk um, over the next few times about two of those parts that seem really crucial. The first is the self, and the second is the soul. And I'll talk about each one of them and then also their relationship with each other, which I think is the most important thing. Um, When I say self, that's a big word and means a lot of different things. So I want to be clear that what I'm referring to now in in these talks is the constructed self, what in some psychology would be called the ego, um, in some Zen would be called small mind. Um, in, In some neuroscience would be called the interpreter or the autobiographical self. So it's the viewpoint that is telling the story of what's going on, that's creating a linear narration of our lives. It's the voice in our heads. It's, um, it's the thing that 
often we're referring to when we say I or me. We're referring to that constructed self. When I speak of the soul, I'm not speaking of, um, in, a, in, a, in a, like a Western religious sense of a, um, a, a, an entity that inhabits a body for a while and then goes on to another kind of something in the afterlife. And I'll, I'll, I'll speak more in depth later about what I mean by the soul, but basically I'm thinking of the soul these days as a kind of um, repository of all of our experiences. So I see it as this pool, and into the, this pool flow all these streams of life experience and karma and landscape and all the things that come together to create this particular um, corner of the universe you think of as you. So the soul is a kind of organic record of the life we live without the story. And I'll, I'll, I'll speak more about that later. Okay, so to come back to the soul, uh, to, to come back to the self, if, if we're talking about it in terms of the constructed self, the small mind, the ego, the, the interpreter, the autobiographical self, um, often it, it, we come to a room like this and, and um, endure 45 minutes of meditation and a bad talk because we have this idea that th- there's a lot of problems located in that self. You know, there's, there's difficulties, and we want to try to fix that. And it seems to me that one of the shadows of spiritual practice can be the idea that we should annihilate that self, that we should have no self, that we take this um, Zen term of no self, and we think that means there is no, there's no self, that, that it, it has to be destroyed. Um, our way, as, as those of you who have been around for a while know, is generally doesn't run towards annihilation and exclusion. It, it tends more toward inclusion and making things larger. So simply, if something like the self is an apparent problem, rather than trying to get rid of it, what we do is try to see more realistically the context of that self. We make the field bigger. So the self becomes smaller in proportion to everything else that we're including. And that's a more realistic view of things. The self isn't the be-all and end-all of everything. It really is in a big field. It really has a big context. So that's the the direction I would like to to begin to, to work with the self in by, by bringing in the soul as another way of seeing this life. There's the self-story about what this life is and what the world is. And there's the soul's experience of what this life is and what the world is. And they're two very, very different viewpoints. And when we include the souls, all of a sudden the self loses some of its inevitability. It's not the only game in town. It's not the only way of looking at things. So that's the way of, of including and of enlarging. Um, bring in more. Give the self its proper perspective and size and then see what things look like from there. And 
the 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 part of that I'm feeling a lot these days is um, I, I've become uncomfortable with this kind of um, um, conflicted relationship we have with the self. Like the self is always a problem. It's all we ever talk about it as, you know, is as as a problem. And I, you know, when everything beca- whenever something becomes only something, I stop believing it. You know, that's a sign that like things have tilted because nothing's ever only one thing. And I just find um, in myself a desire to discover a more generous relationship with the self. Because if, um, if the problem with the self is that it's ragging all the time, you know, it's like it's got judgment and story and opinion and um, it's ragging on the world or it's ragging on you or it's, you know, so rag, 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 rag. That's, if, that's, if that's, you know, a sort of shorthand way of talking about the problem with the self, how is it a step forward to replace the self's ragging with ragging on the self? <laughs> it's just replacing one ragging with another. I don't, I don't see the progress. I don't see, the, I don't see the move forward. Okay, so to, to begin to find a more generous relationship with the self, let's um, think for a moment about why we have one. What's it for? Uh, what does it do? And. It seems like, you know, the, the, the story we tell now, which makes a certain kind of sense, is that a sense of self, which is all science can say, science can't say, you know, here's yourself, this is what it looks like, this is how much it weighs, but it can say we have a sense of self. And the sense of self developed because it was good for our survival. Because it was good for us to make it through the day if we had a kind of coherent sense of I'm here and that's there and um, I'm going to still be here in five minutes so it makes sense to plan for that we don't we're not just in the thrall of hungry now must eat but oh we'll be hungry again tomorrow what can I do to plan for that you know that those were the original jobs of, of the self um I wake up in the morning and I don't have to remake the world. You know, I sort of have a sense of continuity with, uh, about what the world is and who I am. So that seems to have been like um, the original purpose, why a sense of self should have evolved. And, um, you know, there's something sort of touching about this, this thing which steps forward and says... I will protect the organism. I will take on the survival of the organism. That's my job. There's something kind of noble about that. And then what happened over time, um, and I'm obviously grossly simplifying a lot, but what happened over time was the self got confused and began to see what it was doing to... Uh, protect the organism as the thing itself to be protected. So the self's opinions, viewpoints, stories, um, skills, stores of knowledge, prejudices, paranoias, all of that stuff, instead of seeing those as the tools it was using to protect the organism, it saw it as the thing that needed protecting. It It began to be protecting itself. So it's sort of like a politician who enters 
public life with a real sense of service and wanting to do good, and over time ends up believing that what the job is is to get reelected. Okay, so the, 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 over time the self begins to feel like the job is just to get reelected, mm-hmm. you know, and to do whatever's necessary. And so instead of this, the sense of self serving the organism, protecting it, doing what it could for its survival, it now saw the organism as serving it. The organism must survive so that I can go on having opinions, <laughs> projections. <laughs> Judgments, you know, and stories, right? So that that seems to be me to be the problem that 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 switch. Um, but there but there is this kernel of goodness. There is this kernel of I'll protect this creature. I'll do what's necessary for the for the the um, continuance of this creature. And so let's 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 hold that thread about the self. Okay, so, but once the switch gets made and the self is under the delusion that its job is to preserve itself and that, that the organism exists to help preserve it, um, there are a couple of problems that, that, that jump right out. And one is that the viewpoint of this, here's the self making all of these critical decisions moment by moment by moment. You know, if you have spent five minutes meditating, you know there's the self just just moment by moment by moment making all of these decisions right about what's important what matters what the value of things is what we ought to pay attention to what we should hate you know all of that stuff and it's making it from this extremely limited um, viewpoint because the viewpoint of the self is only what will get me reelected so um, you've got you've got a, a an aspect of the self in charge of a whole bunch, looking at things from this little tiny narrow constricted, unrealistic because narrow viewpoint. So um, you know, for for example, let's say that the particular creature has had difficulties in intimate relationships. So the self is going to say, okay, we've had difficulties with intimate relationships. Therefore, for, for the survival, for my re-election, we will therefore avoid intimate relationships from now on because we just don't want to, you know, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to cause harm. That's a very limited viewpoint. Just, you know, off the top of our heads, the body might have something really different to say. The body might say, yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of pleasure to give and receive. It might be worth the risk, you know? And the spirit, which is that part of ourselves that knows we're part of something much larger and feels connected to that. The spirit might say intimate relationships are a vast and mysterious thing. But um, even when they're difficult, that vast and mysterious might really be worth something. So if we add in these other perspectives, these other viewpoints, suddenly the tight, narrow perspective of the self is part of it. It's not that it's not true. Intimate relationships might be really dangerous for a particular organism. 
But you've got these other voices too saying, yes, and there are other things that are true as well. And suddenly the monologue is replaced by a conversation. And again, the conversation is more realistic because it's, it's including more of how things actually are rather than excluding and limiting things to how the self would like you to believe they are. Okay, so, so the first big problem with the self is this um, too narrow vision, too narrow viewpoint. The second really large problem with the self is what it thinks its job is, is impossible. So somewhere along the line, it decided that if it wanted to get reelected, that meant that the world had to stay exactly as it was. So the self is in a constant struggle with change, with evolution, with loss, with the transience of things, with the impermanence of things. And the self is always trying to either make or convince us that the world is stable and continuous and unchanging and it's going to be okay and we're in control. This is not true. So, because it's not true, but that is the motivation and the viewpoint of the self that it's pushing all the time, we are in, or at least the self is in, a constant struggle with life for being life. A constant state of complaint at life for simply being the way life is. And in a constant stance towards life of, um, of disappointment and a sense of failure. It can't get this right. It can't do this. So there is disappointment and failure. So, okay, so those are the sort of the things we know that are problems about the self. And um, if we want to find a more generous uh, attitude toward it, as I was saying before, I think one of the things we can do is bring in another way of looking at the same thing, looking at the creature we call ourselves. And a completely different perspective is that of the soul. So the soul is, in the way I'm speaking about it, which is idiosyncratic, the soul is this collection of experience, this collection of this organism's experience in life and in the world. And as I was saying before, all of these experiences kind of flow in and flow together. The nature of the soul is not to tell a story in contradistinction to the self, which wants to immediately line everything up in the story, put it in its place in the narrative, give it a value, and give it a meaning, most of all. This is what this means to you, this little event, this large event. The soul doesn't care about meaning and story. It's not linear. It's juxt- it's, it works by juxtaposition and layering. Everything just sort of comes in and sits next to each other or on top of each other or around each other. And what happened 25 years ago, there's no such thing as t- what happened 25 years ago. There's just this, this accumulation of experience of um, 
karma. And it's very difficult to tell where the boundary between what we would call ourselves and the world is from the perspective of the soul, because the soul is made entirely of the world. So the soul is kind of like mm, this organic record of what this little corner of the universe looks like these days. This little corner of the universe, I call myself for this however many, four score and seven years, what the universe looks like right here and for this time, that's the soul. It's a very, very different way of looking at our lives. A very different way of understanding our relationship to the world. The self wants to come in and make order and meaning of the experiences that collect in the soul. The soul is not so interested in that. Um, As a result, the soul is often in the dark. We're often not consciously aware of it, but that doesn't mean it's not there, and it doesn't mean it's not accessible. So one of the things that it seems to me that meditation, and in particular koan introspection, is about is finding that kind of access to the realm of the soul, the way things look from the soul's perspective. And as soon as we do that, it begins to kind of naturally put space in the tight view that the self has, because it's such a different way, such a fluid way, such a less bordered and boundaried way of thinking about the creature we call ourselves. So over the next um, little while, I want to explore more about um, how we create a more generous attitude toward the self, how we access that view of the soul, how we access access that the way the soul has of seeing um, our lives and the world, and how the two might work together, how they might um, create a larger and truer sense of what it means to be human and what they have to offer and um, say to each other. So that's the That's the plan coming up. And um, for tonight, I would welcome any any comments or questions you might have. These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.